You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. It's like, it's fine, I'll just snuggle up over here. Yeah. yeah, no, I came out and he was kind of awake. He gave me that, like... <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm sleepy or judging you face. <laughs> Somehow I just get judgmental looks from everyone in this family. It's fine. It's fine. Even the dog. How did this happen? Oh, he's such a good boy, though. He did all the tricks. He's, he is the king he's, of tricks. He is so good. It was very impressive. He was so excited and mm-hmm. proud of himself. Yeah. He's very good at one paw, and he's getting okay at the other one. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. getting there. My favorite is when he gave me two of the same paw the other day. He was like, no, I don't want to give you this one. I'll give you two of this one, and then I'll take the treat anyways. I'm like, okay, that's fair. And this is why Martha is, <laughs> is one the lowest of the- man on the totem pole. <laughs> <laughs> and we now know that she's on the bottom, and Ransom is above her. It's official. <laughs> Shit. Oh. How did they get here? <laughs> How do I have the least power in our entire household? Um, we have new new seltzers. They are mm-hmm. Corona seltzers, which we have had before. But, but first, uh, let's are... talk seltzers. <laughs> Truly a part true. of our podcast now. But uh, it really is. <laughs> but they have like they just released a new set. Even though I really, really liked the... The iced tea the ones iced are tea fucking ones, key. Which are still my favorite. These are good, but those yeah. ones are still... Yeah. Those are probably Those I always, could drink, like, 30 of, and then yeah. I would be like, why am I so hungover mm-hmm. the next day? But I'm all about trying new seltzers. That, that way, aren't when black cherry. Yeah, that aren't black cherry, <laughs> and that way there's just more options. If we go to the store <laughs> and they don't have what we want, like, you know, it's like, well, there's nine yeah. million other options. We're on episode 45, everyone. Yeah, somehow. We're here. We're here. I'm going first. That's true. But before we can start, I'm Brittany Petrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But, but first, first, Let's Talk, talk nerdy. nerdy. Clink. You did it. <laughs> I go first. You do. Today, I am going to talk about Botan. From Yu Hakusho. Oh my god. Okay. Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I know. Yu Hakusho. So Yu Hakusho is like one of those that I watched way back. Yeah, I was going to say, I watched it when it was on Tsunami. So I actually have a weird connection with Yu Hakusho. So when I was like... Nerd. No, that's really fine. Really young. Like, I don't know, seven, eight. <laughs> I like had this weird memory of watching something on tv mm-hmm. uh, i was before i like got into like legit anime but it was a cartoon and i was watching it and i like remembered very like small random bits and parts of it but i can never when i finally started watching anime and i realized it was anime I could never ever ever figure out what it was you have to show us two movies and years later, I was watching one of the movies, and I was like, oh, oh my, like, it was one of those just weird, like, it just, like, all, like, came back to you. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, God, I was a nerd since I was, like, eight. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is me not being surprised. 
But I also met Yusuke's voice actor at my first Otakon, which was my first convention back in 2003. I was going to say, when you were a teeny bee. I was 13. I was just going into high school. It was the summer before I went into high school. I don't want to even think about myself at that age. And where he was set up, he was in the dealer's room. Oh, weird. Yeah, right? Sometimes conventions, I'm like, what the fuck are you even doing? So, but it was so long ago. He was very nice. He was an older guy. He was very, like, quiet. I was with Maureen, and I was with uh, our friend Ashley, who lives in Ohio. And she said something to him, because I loved Yusuke. He was shocking. He was my favorite. Oh, what? Gasp. And so (laughs) she said something about it. And so... He, like I said, like quiet, very nice older guy, and then he screams spirit gun, and it was crazy. <laughs> like, his use gay voice was like a hundred percent different than just like him being a person. My literal favorite thing in the entire world is when somebody is a voice actor and you're like, oh, oh, wait, this person is, yeah, yeah. you hear them in normal voice, they're just normal, and then yep. they go into into character it's just a completely different <laughs> yep. person yeah so fucking cool <laughs> i love that goddamn shit so my sources wikipedia fandom mm-hmm. i was on a website called giantbomb.com <laughs> and then i watched all of you hawk show last year i think it might be on hulu because of their automation team up and I never watched all of it. So I was like, let's watch all of it. So I watched all of it a little over a year ago. So pulling from my memory of watching it. I never read any of the manga. So Yu Yu Hakusho was a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by uh, Yoshihiro Togashi. The manga was originally serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump from December 1990 Ugh. to July 1994. So it's an oldie back with fucking yeah. Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. Yep. <laughs> Isn't the guy who made Yu Hakusho married to Naoko Tekuchi? Oh, she, oh yeah, you know what? I think I'm that's pretty true. sure that's true. I think that is which true is like fact. the most anime power couple and yeah. also oh adorable God. thing Seriously. ever. Seriously. Makes me want to puke. In a good way. Like like <laughs> rainbows. rainbows, glitter. I just puke and glitter comes up. And it's like, my throat's so dry now. <laughs> but sparkly. <laughs> Shit. All right. So the series consists of 175 chapters and is collected in 19 manga volumes. In North America, the manga ran completely in Viz's Shonen Jump and ran from January 2003 to January 2010. The anime adaptation consists of 112 episodes and was directed by Noriyuki Abe, or Abe, however you want to say that, and co-produced by Fuji Television, Yomiko Advertising, and Studio Periox. The television series originally aired on Japan's Fuji TV network from October 1992 to December 1994, and then it was later licensed in North America by Funimation in 2001, and was aired on Cartoon Network in blocks including Adult Swim and Tsunami. Yeah. All of my, like, Mm -hmm. throwback animes from when I was a fucking teenager, like, 13, 14 are all from Toonami. That's the yeah. only place we got them. It, you don't have it like you have it today. You kids have it so yeah. easy today. No, mine are fucking either services. from Toonami. We had one friend who would 
buy VHSs so that yeah, we could so all watch. Expensive. They're so fucking yeah. expensive, and you had to buy them like one or two episodes and, at well, a time. Well, I was gonna say the Ridiculous. most it would be, would be three. normally. I think it would be like three episodes. Yeah. Sometimes you'd luck out and get a DVD with four episodes. Yeah. But well, like mine were literally episodes. VHSs, so yeah. they were like like an hour and a yeah. half. Sometimes yeah. I have my VHS with Nuriko Jeff. Yeah, that's the only episode. Yeah, I have a couple of random anime. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So there were a couple things that that or like Borders had the uh, manga, and then we picked it up. I was gonna say I would always get them from Barnes Noble, Mm -hmm. and me and my friend would each get a series. So I, you know, I also would sit there and read read them them. and cry. Yeah, but like we other books, there would be like four of us, and we'd each be like, okay, this is the one we're going to collect. So even though they're expensive, out of the like eight or twelve that you had to buy, Mm -hmm. that would just be what you had to buy, and then you would just pass them through your friends. See, you guys were more organized than my friend group, who was like, (laughs) let's sporadically do a bunch of dumb shit. (laughs) Like I had Showbits and Marmalade Boy. And, um, I, have, I think the first issue of Marmalade. Yeah, Boy, no, I sure. love Marmalade it's Boy. It's out here. I, oh, really? I, was, I need to bring all my manga here. Yes. And, um, and all of your other fucking shit. Yes. Tangent to side. Yes. But also so, anyways, moving on. A look into both of our pasts. <laughs> the television series has been broadcasted in various other countries all around the world. Yu Yu Show franchise has spawned two animated films. Like I was saying, I mentioned mm-hmm. one of them earlier. A series of original video animations, which is OBAs. <laughs> um, audio albums, video games, and other merchandise. All right. All right. So, Botan. Botan is a guide to the spirit world and a close friend of Yusuke Yurameshi. She is a spirit charged with ferrying souls of the deceased to the spirit world to face their final judgment. As opposed to the idea of there only being a single one, she is one of many Grim Reapers. Makes sense. And also is sick. Yes. Mm -hmm. Botan has a long blue hair and pink eyes, and she's usually clad in a light pink kimono when she's on duty. She's cute as fuck. Cute little button. But she does wear human clothes time to time when she's, you know, posing as a human. Yeah, sometimes you've got to do that. You know, you know. <laughs> it's always a bummer, but what are you going to do? <laughs> she's generally helpful and well-meaning, uh, though she can be somewhat clumsy and a little short-sighted. She's also bubbly and cautiously optimistic. She can be a bit of a scary cat, but she tends to be a motor mouth. And she used to view Yusuke as an interesting subject to study until she developed a bond with him and became a very valuable ally, a close friend, and they almost even sort of have a brother-sister kind of relationship going on. Which is super cute. Um, Although her age and origin is unknown, Botan is known to be the best fairy woman in the Reikai, and she is Quenma's most trusty guide to the spirit world. So, Botan plays a large role in all the sagas in the anime and the manga, so we'll get into it a little bit. So, the first saga is the Spirit Detective Saga, definitely the best saga. Yusuke dies, episode one, no spoiler. (laughs) And she's the one assigned to guide Yusuke in his test to earn his right to get his soul back into his body, thus resurrecting him. At first, she is somewhat skeptical of Yusuke. He seems self-centered. He's a 
He's a male protagonist in the 90s. And he's a 14-year-old stupid little punk boy. Also that. Yes. That's true. There are no 14-year-olds that aren't, like, self-obsessed. Yes. But he ends up dying because he saves a little kid from being hit by a fucking car. So they're like, and he has, like, they know he has this power within. So they're like, let's see if he can fucking turn it around. Turn it around. Get that shit to the... So he has to go through all these trials so that he can earn himself back. And there's like an egg at some, I don't fucking know. He's, oh, he has an egg and he has to like put good juju in it. And if he puts bad juju in it, then a demon monster is going to come out and eat his soul instead. That is a bummer. <laughs> also <laughs> wild. Oh boy. So Keiko, she is Yusuke's classmate and she's one of the few that can like put up with his bad boy stupid 14 year old shit and Yusuke's love interest uh but during the first few episodes uh Keiko's mother falls ill so she decides to stay with her the whole night but this ends up jeopardizing the last requirement Yusuke needs to be revived so Botan who is very much on Yusuke's side and totally rooting for him at this point, Mm -hmm. possesses Keiko's mother's body and informs Keiko that Yusuke needs her more at this moment. It does work, and Keiko ends up rushing to Yusuke's just in time to kiss him, to give him, send him the life force he needs to wake up. It's uh, good that she made it in time, otherwise the anime would have been about four to six episodes Yusuke just gets eaten by a monster. Whoops! <laughs> he didn't have an egg at that point. He threw it in the flame, a flame to save his mom. So there was like another thing, and they had this like one shot, or else he was gonna have to wait another like three hundred and eighty-four years Oof. to get this other shot to be reawakened. Jesus. Yeah. So <laughs> after his revival, uh, Yusuke is surprised to notice a demon inhabiting a body of a street punk that he just beat up. Hmm. And then Botan shows up and he, and tells Yusuke that he, his experience with death and his special ability has led him to now be able to see demons. Wait, well. Yeah. So Yusuke like is now. Kind of a win. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so Yusuke is now chosen to be a spirit detective of the spirit world and Botan becomes Yusuke's assistant and trainer as he starts his adventures as the underworld detective. And the underworld is just the spirit world, yep. essentially. So she takes the form of a human being in order to be around him and make sure he isn't fucking things up. <laughs> and uh, she can now be seen amongst the living because before she was just being death and shit. Uh, yes. <laughs> Spooky in her pink kimono with her very vibrant blue hair <laughs> and saying bingo. <laughs> it's a very specific type of spooky. Cool. Flying around on an oar. <laughs> so um, Botan is his is also his contact to the underworld and is the one who usually gives Yusuke his missions and all that fun stuff. She teaches him how to use various uh, detective tools and communicates messages from Kuenma and often guides him to different destinations pertaining to his cases. 
Uh, like I just said, you should get a bunch of fun spirit world gadgets. Think of like James Bond, but um, you know, magic. And so better. So better, such as <laughs> Psychic Spyglass, the Demon Compass, the Concentration Ring, and the Communication Mirror. I love it. So at one point, this is when Hie is still a villain. We this when we're first introduced to Hie. He's the one, the short one. With the I eye. remember. If you don't remember, or for anyone who doesn't remember, he ends <laughs> up attacking Yusuke and people Yusuke knows, and Keiko's there, apparently, and she gets slashed by his shadow sword, which turns people into a demon. So Botan Sir is there, and she ends up suppressing Keiko's demonification process for a while and then Keiko was ultimately saved when Yusuke defeated Hiei and he gave her the antidote antidote (laughs) 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 gave her the antidote which was conveniently stored in the hilt of the sword oh I mean I guess if you're gonna have I feel like an antidote would be like (laughs) A really, really cute little potato that you just boop on somebody's head or something dumb like that. Nanta Dude is like a really dumb little dog that like <laughs> boops you. Oh. I'm Nanta Dude. <laughs> this is the worst, but I really like the idea of it, so whatever. After all this, Yusuke is told about a master wanting to pass on their abilities to the strongest. Since they don't want these awesome spirit powers passed on to the wrong person and or demon, Yusuke is assigned to the job. So Botan accompanies both Yusuke and Kuwabara to give moral support and to help out with her knowledge when needed. This is where uh, we get to meet Genkai and Genkai's tournament takes place. Though Yusuke only sees Botan as a close friend, Kuwabara was at first a bit infatuated with Botan, but lucky for Botan, this went away when Kuwabara meets Yukina on a later mission. (laughs) (laughs) After winning the tournament and training with Genkai, it isn't long until Yusuke is given his next challenge. Botan is the one to brief Yusuke about the Makai insects, which are infecting human beings by possessing them. She tells Yusuke that to eliminate them, he must destroy the Makai Whistle, controlled by the four saint beasts. She then leads Yusuke and Kuwabara to a hidden portal that leads to the maze castle. Botan ends up remaining in the human world because she is on damage control. She's able to take out a lot of the Makai insects by this spirit world bug repellent. And she ends up knocking down and knocking out a lot of the infected human people, uh, human beings that are being infected. Um, I do remember she has a bat at one point. She's running around hitting people with it. Beautiful. So. Who doesn't um, love a Grim Reaper with a bat? You know, badass Mm -hmm. heart. Pastel themed. (laughs) I think she had like a hat on and uh, a little like jacket. Rude. <laughs> so, um, and all the while, while she's doing this, she, they're using the communication mirror so that she can still guide Yusuke, even though she's not with them. God, so working double time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my job and also your job. Mm-hmm. So, while these bugs are taking over the city, Keiko being lame, Botan has to protect her from insect-possessed humans, and they do manage to escape. 
There's nothing like some murderous demon bugs to bring a friendship together because Keiko, who was jealous towards Botan, or she had always seen her in Yusuke, and Yusuke was always very shady about who Botan was. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably just didn't, and obviously didn't want to be like, I'm hanging out with death. Yeah. It's, but you know, like, also, I get, yeah. yeah, both and sides of that make sense. So Keiko is a little bit jealous. But here, she, like I said, Botan saves Keiko, and they escape, and once they're safe, Botan's like, hey, girl, don't be fucking jealous. We are strictly friends. That is what our relationship is. Please chill Very out. platonic, and honestly, at this point, they're still already almost, like, brother-sister-like. Um, later in this little however-many-episode series part of this is... Botan was injured by one of the insect-possessed humans and fell unconscious once again while she was protecting Keiko. And though they they were cornered and it seemed like things were not going to go well. And then just in time, Yusuke defeats Suzaku and destroys the Makai whistle. Yay. But when Botan regains consciousness, she decides to play a trick on Yusuke and she makes him believe that she and Keiko were killed by the insect-possessed human because he took so fucking damn long to destroy the uh, flute and they almost died because of it. Ouch. So, <laughs> oh, oh, well. <laughs> no, like I said, that, that's where that brother-sister relationship okay. comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I don't pretend to be dead for Sam because I know he has issues about it. What's scary about that is Botan is actually deaf. We pop. <laughs> okay, so. Can Jeff die? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Since I don't think she's like, since death isn't just like an almighty right. being in Yu Hakusho. It probably. It probably, like she could probably, she could probably I don't know what happens to her at Mm -hmm. that point because technically she's already like dead, but whatever. The next mission is presented to the boys by Kwanma himself. Botan presents them a Tate and Yusuke and Kuwabara are briefed by Kwanma and it's referring them to their next mission to save Yukina from the Tarukade. I think she cries tears. She does cry tears, but they turn into diamonds, I think. I was going to say, I'm confused. <laughs> it is like a special. I also diamond. cry tears. I'm very special. <laughs> Please rescue me. So in the anime, Botan joins Yusuke and Kuwabara in saving Yukina from the apparition gang. <laughs> and in the manga, Botan is only the one that briefs Yusuke and Kuwabara. And then, but she doesn't accompany them on the mission. They seem to, I only have never read it in the manga, as I said earlier, they <laughs> seem to not give her quite as much in the manga. Ma- like, she more is like, just sort of like the mess, like, the, yeah. oh, here's your assignments mm-hmm. and go do them, as opposed to in the anime where she's, she's like, like and I'm coming with you, yeah. let's go. <laughs> I say they change this fact because Botan is the only one with any brain cells. Hmm. They're just two 14-year-old boys running around. Yeah, that's true. That's very fair. <laughs> they need You're someone that's like, help. hey, this is what we need to do when I actually understand demons in the underworld yeah. and this kind of life you don't know because you're 14 and just entered into it. You can't so. cry in the bathroom just because your voice cracked a weird way. Um. So as far as I can remember, the mission was a success. Uh, Kubara falls hard for Yukina, and I think this is also where we find out that Yukina is Hiei's younger sister. Uh, except Kubara never finds out, and they just don't tell him until he is like, I'm gonna fucking rip your balls off. Hey! 
everyone learns, and they're like, it would be much funnier if... <laughs> and that's one of those things where you get to a certain point, and you're like, well, it's too late now, or <laughs> no one wants to be the one person to be like, well, we've all been fucking with you for months. <laughs> we've all known for months. Trust! <laughs> We thought it would be really funny if you didn't know, and then we never told you because somebody had to do it, and none of us yep. stepped up. And it's like one of those two where obviously, like, he hates everyone, but he especially hates yep. Kuwabara. I mean, who doesn't especially hate Kuwabara? <laughs> so that's the end of the first saga of Yu Hakusho, and now we're on to the next one, which is the Dark Tournament. So, Dark Tournament is so long. <laughs> It's like, it was a good, like, 10 to 15 episodes too long. I I mean, 10 to 15 episodes too long is not that bad for most animes. (laughs) It was just so long. I was like, this tournament is still happening. But anyways, uh, during the most of the Dark Tournament, Botan is once again on damage control. She is in the human world, and she's trying to cover up for Yusuke and explain why he's been gone so long when he leaves leaves for the Dark Tournament. She tries to just give the excuse that he's just off being a apprentice to a normal human to become a normal human detective. Oh, yeah. But um doesn't work. And Kuwabara's also gone. So Keiko and Shizuru, who is Kuwabara's sister, are like, mm. this is weird. So after being pressured, she caves and she tells him the truth and she ends up bringing them along with her to the tournament after some more pestering so that they can see Yusuke and Kuwabara. Uh, in the Moton. <laughs> in the manga, Botan. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so in the manga, Botan is apparently not confronted by Keiko and Shizuru, so I don't know why she tells them. I never read the manga, um, but they all do go to the tournament, and she also brings Yusuke's drunk mother, Atsuko. You remember her, his super drunk mom? I do. Yeah, but that's the manga. Bebop. Bebop. That's me agreeing with (laughs) As a robot. (laughs) (laughs) So, at the Dark Tournament, she acts as a team coach, and she also helps Keiko and Shizuru understand all the demon and underworld stuff that's happening. Ah, like when we watch football. Yes. (laughs) You're the botan of football. (laughs) That's actually not the best. I mean, not... I meant to say not the worst. (laughs) Not the worst compliment I've given you. Oh, there have been some bad ones. (laughs) (laughs) all right so little spoiler alert just in case you guys don't know from the anime that is 30 years old um (laughs) right genkai ends up dying in the dark i know (laughs) (laughs) at the hands of toguro and botan is the reaper that has to ferry genkai's soul to the underworld which she is she doesn't take so well, but she has to do it because she's a professional woman and a good reaper. I imagine she has shoulder pads on. I know she doesn't, but she's I... She's wearing a kimono yeah. and riding an oar. I know. But, like, also shoulder pads. Professional woman. Uh, Dark Tournament went on far too long, mm-hmm. as I said earlier. 
Um, and she mostly just sticks to her role as a little bit of a coach and an advisor. Um, Team Yurameshi, of course, wins. But just at the end, the whole arena ends up being set to blow up. So everybody runs out real quick. Beep boop. And everybody makes it. Except for Kai. Sorry, bud. So next up is Black Chapter Saga. In the beginning, Botan is assigned to explain to Yusuke a new threat to the world. And it's not demons this time, but it's humans. Oh, no. So before she was fully able to explain to Yusuke the new threat, Yusuke was kidnapped by, I don't know if they're demons or people, whatever, but their names are Kido, Yanagisawa, and Kaito. Um, she teams up with Kuwabara and Kurama, who has, back in the dark tournament, he went from little infant looking, uh, Kurama right. to sexy adult Kurama. <laughs> <laughs> happens. Ugh, anime. <laughs> He's also thousands of years old, I yep. assume, so it's fine. It's that like, okay, well. We're hand-waving literally anything that has to do with age here. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, they're all part of the underworld. They don't really it's have It's a age. question mark. So she assists Kuwabara and Kurama by first tracking down Hiei. She does find him, and she strikes a deal with Hiei to limit his probation by the spirit world in exchange for help, which he agrees to. So we have Kuwabara. Karama, Botan, and Hiei. Too many Ks. I know. Everyone needs to calm down. With the K. With the K. <laughs> calm down with the K is what I was saying there. <laughs> <laughs> and now that the group is complete, they are off to save Yusuke. Um, so they're like in this castle thing where they're trying to save Yusuke. And at one point, they're in this room or territory, I guess. And her uh, soul is captured from her body when she accidentally says a taboo word, which is hot. Botan? Inside, Botan, yeah. Okay. Inside of Botan. Kaito's territory. And so was Hiei's and Kuwabara's. But they were saved when Kurama defeats Kaito. This is like the one part I remember of this. <laughs> uh, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I yeah, remember right, right. this. Kurama defeated Kaito by forcing him to also say a taboo word. And um, they were released when he was defeated. It was just fuck. Yeah. yeah. I'm well, sure. Maybe. That so they rescue Yusuke, only to find out that the kidnapping was mastermind by Genkai the whole time just to test them. Shit. And then I said, but what? Oh, Whoa. Genkai's dead, isn't she? What? Apparently not. Oh. But I'm not talking about Genkai, so Beep I don't off. know the details because I didn't look them up. It's a shrug. He's back. I don't know. Comics and death. Anime. Anime. Well, as I say, it's the same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's more to this arc, but I don't know. The summary I read didn't really make sense. And I was like, I don't have time for this. It's 642. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have time to go watch it. The most relatable thing in the um, entire world. And I don't, like I said, I don't remember anything when watching it because the dark turn was just so long that I was just like, okay, let's finish this. There's like 30 episodes left. Um, the last saga is called the Three King Saga, which I essentially don't remember apparently <laughs> at all. Your memory's 
like, I mean, way better than mine, but I also haven't watched it in a really long time. Like I said, I think of what the Dark Tournament was just so long that my brain turned off and I was just like, this needs to <laughs> Yusuke goes in on this one mostly alone. It's another tournament. Ugh. And um, the most you do see of other people in, like, Botan is Botan and Quenma are, like, uh, they, like, disguise themselves and go and watch the uh, watch the tournament and Cute. are cheering them on. Cute! It's more complicated and... Whatever. Uh, whatever, yes. Yeah, I don't care. So, the final episode of the anime is Botan with Kuwabara, Kurama, Keiko, Yukino, and Shizuru. And they're at Genkai's temple on the beach, and Yusuke ends up, like, showing up, walking along the beach or whatever, and reunites with his friends and family after a long time. It's been a very long time since he could come home after he wins the tournament. <laughs> it mostly ends all happy and a little cliche, but, you know, whatever. So I think it's been, like, three or four or five years or something since Yusuke was around since he won that tournament. So her role through the anime and the manga is mostly that of a guide and a bit of a mentor and always a friend. Um, Though she's not the strongest, she would always help out in other ways. And she does actually have a few sweet tricks that she can do. Mm -hmm. So she has the power of flight. As a navigator for the soul, she manifests an ore for quick travel through flight as well as transportation between the human world and the spirit world. For spiritual powers, Botan does have a mild healing ability, which includes slowing down the rate of uh, demonification, which I talked about with Keiko earlier. <laughs> Though it's not strong enough to completely stop or reverse it, she can hold it off for other people to fix the actual problem. It's a band-aid. Okay. Physical power, she doesn't have anything really to write home with, but she makes do with what she has. She is seen using a baseball bat, apparently a mop, and then that bug spray as weapons during the Maze Castle incident. Mop. I love it. <laughs> I love She has displayed the ability of mind reading um, earlier in the series, but they don't super touch on it much after that. And spirit gun. So the spirit gun is Yusuke's main attack. And one of the earlier covers, uh, chapter covers in the manga, it implies that she can also use the spirit gun. She's making the gesture and the noises are coming out of the end of her finger. Though she never actually shows the ability in the manga or the anime. However, uh, it's believed that she may be able to use a weaker version of it due to her saying in the chapter Black Saga that she had blasted down walls with the concentration ring in order to look for Hiei. This could imply that anyone who actually has some spirit energy and can use the concentration ring can actually form a spirit gun with the two. Neat. And then there's a thing called this power sphere, Botan apparently holds it in her body. It's a specific artifact that is uh, special to her. And it's the key to the netherworld's power. And it also allows all the warriors to fuse their powers as one. Mm-hmm. It's animation. You know. The power of friendship. <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> it's how Sailor Moon always ends up being strong enough to defeat her mm-hmm. enemies. 
Because her sailor scouts are like, they love you. We lend you our power because we love you so much. <laughs> and she's like, I love you guys too. Now I'm really strong. Can we all hug for a while? And it's like, um, you you still do have to fight this guy. And it's like, oh god, okay, fine. I'll fight these guys, and then we're gonna fucking hug like so much. We're gonna have the best goddamn sleepover. It's true. I go to that <laughs> sleepover. I want to be there. So, some fun facts about Botan to finish this off. In the manga, it said that Botan's favorite holiday is Christmas. Fuck you. <laughs> that was actually one of the first facts on the list that I got. <laughs> um, a running gag is she often makes a little cat face when she's being a sly little bitch of her, that she does. Mm-hmm. Um, Botan- if I could do that with my face, I immediately would. Absolutely. Whenever I was a sly little bitch, which is frequently. <laughs> Botan's birthday is unknown according to the manga. Death. Botan's ability to stay in the physical realm is changed ever so slightly from between the anime and the manga. In the anime, she mentioned she has a human body, implying it's a container which allows her soul to uh, interact. Yet, when she's called back to the spirit realm, she simply changes back to her kimono and flies back to the spirit realm. In the manga, however, the container body is left behind immobile while her spirit flies back and remains that way until she comes back and repossesses it. Okay. They probably were like, let's make this Yeah, a little simpler. It's possible that in the <laughs> anime that her ability is that she just literally makes herself intangible again, and she can just go back to the sphere world and be ghostly. Easier. So, because those of the Rakai age slowly, and as evidence to her comment during a meeting between her and Quenma, Botan is a new and young Grim Reaper. She uh, was just starting out a few years before to, the show began, so during Yusuke's early childhood, so ah. she's newer to the job. She moved on that real quick. Hey, get it Quenma done. Loved her. Get it um, done. Botan is actually the first from Spirit World to accompany a spirit detective. That's sweet. Because Yusuke's dumb and he needs help. Well, (laughs) Botan was ranked as the seventh most popular female anime character in 1993 in Anime Anime Grand Prix, the eighth in 1994, and then the eleventh in 1995. Two. Bingo is one of her catchphrases in the English dub. That's one of the first things she says to Yusuke. Bingo, bingo, bingo. You won the prize. And then Botan is based off of uh, Charon, the ferryman in the river sticks from the Greek mythology. Charon. Charon? Mm-hmm. They could have gone either way. There's an H in his name. Yep. What do you want from me? <laughs> Charon? <laughs> Charon. Tron? It's just Charo. Oh my well, god. Well, Botan is Has essentially done that crossover. Bo- Botan is essentially Boatman without like the M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Oh wow, okay. Um, and then last little fun fact, according to the English preview for episode 82, she is the high score in Ms. Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Get it. And that is Botan. <laughs> She's so cute. So cute. Yes. Howdy! 
Listen up. I am talking. Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer. We do. Next question. Who's listening to it? Answer. You are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then... Dear the smart thing. Listen to Earth Station Who right here on the ESO Okay, so it is my turn since I am going second. The only position that I have after going first. Because <laughs> um, there's only two of yep, us. There are only two. Okay, so uh, today I'm going to talk about Carrie, mostly the 1976 film, but a little bit of the book too. I've never read nor completely watched, but know plenty of. Yeah, I was going to say Carrie is one of those things that it doesn't matter if you've like watched it all the way through, you know it. I've actually never read the book, and it was one of those things where I was researching it and I was like, oh, I guess I hadn't read that. <laughs> Yeah, Um, but my sources today are um, Wikipedia, IMDb, Stephen King Movies Revisited, Looking Back at Carrie by Rebecca Lee, and Carrie at 40, which, Carrie at 40, fuck me, Um, Why the Horror Genre Remains Important for Women by Noah Berlatsky. So I feel like Carrie is within that certain genre of horror that and like this isn't me coming up with this but some people call it you know good for her horror where you get to the end and you're like yeah fuck everybody up because everybody deserves it and you should just destroy them all Mm -hmm. and that's always horror that i do love horror is always notoriously terrible to women and also body yeah, any, like, minority, if we're being honest. It's true. Yeah. So when, like, the purported damsel gets to turn everything around and fuck everything up, uh, me, I am here <laughs> uh, for yes, it. Please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jennifer's body is also definitely a very, oh, good for her yeah. type of horror. Yep. Especially since it ends with her just fucking, fucking all of those yep. stupid band people uh-huh. up. Mwah. Right? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it's that very, like cathartic thing where you watch somebody fight back against the system in like truly destructive mm-hmm. way and I love that shit. Uh, also Carrie still makes me sad that I didn't get powers when I got my period. Boo! But, we already know why we don't have powers. We but, have this conversation often. I know it's true but still <laughs> it is one of those things I watch and I was like at this point I wasn't that person I could have a lot <laughs> I could have lied about things <laughs> and gotten powers. No, I guess not. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, so, like I was just saying, weirdly, I've never actually read Carrie, which is an oversight as I've read a ton of Stephen King's books and I like really love Stephen King. So, uh, Carrie was actually uh, Stephen King's fourth novel that he'd written. Uh, the other three that he'd written were Rage, The Long Lock, and Blaze. Which, weirdly, he... So he published all of them under a pseudonym, um, Richard Bachman, later on in his career. So Carrie was the first one that he uh, actually published. 
it was written while he was living in a trailer and like it was written on the portable typewriter that he also wrote misery on and that uh, belonged to his wife tabitha it began as a short story intended for a cavalier magazine but king tossed the first three pages of his work in the garbage can uh, when he first started it out Womp womp. Mm-hmm. Of King's published short stories at the time, he recalled that some some woman had said, you write all these macho things, but you can't write about women. He was like, I could write about women if I wanted to. So then he got an idea about having an incident at a girl's shower room where the girl would be telekinetic. And basically, like, the other girls would pelt her with the sanitary napkins when she got her period. The period would release the right hormones and she would rain down destruction on them. and then was like, mm, I don't know if this is what I want it to be. And then Tabitha um, King fished the pages out of the garbage can and was like, no, I actually think this is a good thing and a really good idea. And with the help of the female perspective, i.e. me, Tabitha King, we can make this a really good novel. And he followed her advice and expanded it into a novel. And after having made several attempts at starting the book, uh, King believed he could not in good conscience write a story from a teen girl's uh, perspective as he had never been a teen girl, obviously. Yep, it's true. Um, but Tabitha, however, saw something of importance within uh, its many described pages and encouraged, urged her husband to continue. And yay, thank goodness she did because uh, Carrie has endured and spawned a lot of different adaptations as well as homages. There are four movies. One of them is a sequel. So there are technically three Carries and then like Carrie Rage or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a musical and then there was a failed TV series. So they did the musical in Riverdale. And then that was also on the Wikipedia. <laughs> and I was like, I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> you knew I'd bring it up. Uh, so the Carrie that I'm talking about is uh, the 1976 American supernatural horror film directed by Brian De Palma uh, from a screenplay written by Lawrence D. Cohen. Uh, the film stars Sissy Spacek as the titular character, a shy 16-year-old who is consistently mocked and abused at home and at school. So here's a relatively quick plot synopsis. The movie opens up with Carrie is in the locker room and that's when she is getting her period for the first time and she is fucking freaking out because her very crazy mother, who is incredibly religious, never told her about anything that was going to happen to her. So she thinks that she's fucking dying. So she's like distressed she's crying out for help and instead of helping anybody all the like dumb teenage girls around her ridicule her and harass her and they throw a bunch of fucking tampons at her and sanitary towels sanitary towels uh pads (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like gross harassment though like yelling like plug her up it's gross um and then the teacher the gym teacher i think uh miss collins rushes in to stop the commotion and she seems to be very, very fucking angry. And all of a sudden a light bulb fucking snaps. And after questioning Carrie, uh, Miss Collins realizes that Carrie doesn't realize anything about what menstruation is because her mom is big fucking bat shit. Miss Collins asks the school The fact that she's also just getting her period at 16 is crazy. Yeah. 
She's already like a, a very late bloomer. I was gonna say that's already thing. way past when mm-hmm. most people get it. Yeah, and she's very naive because her mom is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. So Carrie gets excused from gym class for a week and uh, she gets to go home early. Basically, she heads home and when she gets home, she is tormented by her delusional mother. So her mom is basically like, you got your period because because of God and because of sin, like original sin in women and this and that. And she quotes a lot of like biblical uh, scripture that isn't even actual fucking real biblical scripture. It's just, it's just your mom is a big fucking crazy person who decided to be crazy and ruin your life. And she locks Carrie in the closet and forces her to pray and is like, you've received this because you've been sinning. And Carrie's like, which is very silly because your period means you can reproduce and that's supposed to be like the main thing that God wants us to do. (laughs) Isn't it? Isn't it like, isn't that the point? (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's a hundred percent like everything, but like, I definitely don't know. We're not going to have an argument about the Bible because we we don't don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We've already established that Martha and I don't understand the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. I know that God quote unquote made birth hurt because women sinned in because eve ate the apple that's why birth is like not a cool easy process now quote unquote you're pushing a baby out of your vagina it's not gonna be easy well you used to just lay an egg no that's that's a lie that's not a true thing about the bible (laughs) eve laid an egg and that's what happened with abel and cain um, so Miss Collins, the gym teacher, uh, is like fucking pissed about everything. She's like, this is bullshit. And she like makes all of the girls, uh, go through a detention that is like, good. Eh. Yes. Yes. It was a little tougher than it probably should have been because she was no. angry, but also Fuck like, them. same. Yeah, no, they were- You were throwing tampons at this poor girl mm-hmm. who had no idea because her mom is crazy. No worries. They will get what's coming to I, them. I know. But it does take too long. And they could have, if they'd changed now, they probably wouldn't have been. Don't dump <laughs> pig's blood on a poor girl. It's, every part of this is a fucking nightmare. Also, yeah. don't hurt pigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the real lesson. <laughs> Don't hurt pigs. Don't tease poor fucking girls who don't know what their goddamn body is doing. Somebody thinks they're dying. Don't be like, (laughs) I'm going to throw a bunch of shit at you. Horrible. Teenagers are rough. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with teenagers ever again. Yeah. So the leader of the clique who is, like, doing everything to Carrie uh, is named Heather. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Christina Harginson, so Chris Harginson, uh, and she basically is like refuses to participate in the detention, and as a punishment is banned from the upcoming prom, which I'm like, well, that's fair. That's what you get. Fuck bitch. you, you fucking bitch. So of course she's furious and she blames Carrie for her misfortune. Meanwhile, one of the other girls, uh, Sue Snell, who is the other, like, main girl and everything, uh, she's like, I feel really shitty and guilty about this. So, so she asks her boyfriend to take Carrie to the prom. That's weird. It is weird. Why wouldn't she just find Carrie a sweet nerd boy? Or just 
both of you bring her and just be nice to her. You could just be nice to Carrie instead of, like, faking this weird romance thing. Yeah. Like, how many weird, sad nerds have been asked out by somebody in a fake way to make them feel shitty? A lot. Does that really happen? Yeah. Is that not just, like, a movie thing? It is not a movie thing. It is a real thing. Thank God that didn't happen in my school. Like, our school had, like, popular people, but we weren't super, like, clicky. Like, like have known people who that sort of thing has happened to, which is... Jesus Christ. Like, imagine being so cool. No, I can't. And, and like, I'm not a great person. Like it's, it's, I was gonna say, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a very good person. I'm happy to, like, be kind of a turd when it's kind of funny. But, like, also, like, it's so thoughtless and yeah. like selfish and horrible and damaging. And exactly, it's gonna fuck somebody up forever. Mm-hmm. Ugh, gross. A lot of crushes, trust issues there. Yeah. So uh, um, Sue is like uh, boyfriend Tommy. Uh, of course, he should take Carrie to the prom, and he does begrudgingly end up agreeing. And he asks Carrie to the prom, and Carrie's like. Uh, no, because she already thinks that it's another trick. And then after, like, a comforting pep talk with Miss Collins, which, like, girl, you're already so involved. You need to fucking chill. And Also, you're just the PE teacher. Yeah. And this girl, the guidance counselor. Mm. It's, it's a lot of stuff. And after Tommy's further insistence, she does agree to go to the prom with Tommy. Uh, so while everybody else is getting ready for fucking prom, uh, Chris is scheming with her boyfriend, uh, Billy Nolan, who is John Travolta. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Holy shit. I know. And her best friend, Norma, to get revenge on Carrie. Revenge. I'm like, you were a bitch, and then you get called out for being a bitch. It. You were you a bitch, and then got go punished fucking, for being a bitch. Like, you didn't even actually... The problem is, you didn't go to your detention, and then you get punished for not taking your actual first punishment. Yeah. So you double punished yourself by being it, a you, fucking This cut. is your fault. Calm down, you stupid turd. Yeah. God. High school. Yeah, I Ooh. know. So they go to a farm, and... uh slaughter some pigs and drain their blood into a bucket and uh they place the bucket on one of the rafters in the school gym if i remember correctly chris has to like egg her boyfriend on into actually killing the pigs because obviously this is a terrible thing why are you doing this and she's just a huge bitch yeah and just wants everything to go her way Ugh. Mm-hmm. the fucking worst so they place the bucket on the rafters in the school gym which is where they're having their sad prom. Uh, so Can you imagine having your prom in the school gym. I think a lot of like that's where now, Riverdale always did their yeah. shit. But we had ours at a hall. I mean, I didn't go to mine, but ours was at a hall. Ours was at a Marriott. So yeah, Bucket is in the rafters of the gym. Carrie asks her mother's permission to go to the prom, which is a mistake. Yells her mother is fucking crazy, and she becomes. Unhinged at the suggestion, suggesting that Tommy is only after her for sex, and that this will lead her down the road to perpetual sin. And this leads to a violent argument between Carrie and her mother, who uh, Carrie uses telekinesis to slam windows and doors in the home, and uh, after another fight between Carrie and her mother at the night of prom, Carrie uses her powers to push her mother into a bed and says that she should stop worrying. It's like, this is... 
where a normal mother should begin worrying. <laughs> or maybe like a little bit more recent than right now. Like a normal mother would have also told her daughter about her period. Yeah. Yeah. Oops, I guess you're just going to bleed a bunch of times and everything's just fine and don't worry about it. Shrug. Carrie and Tommy arrive at the prom. Uh, Carrie begins to feel accepted by Tommy's peers. And then Miss Collins is there and is like, (laughs) tells her the story of her own prom and that she should cherish the memory forever, which both of us will eye roll to. And then Carrie and Tommy dance together which is like a really dreamy scene that I am like forever fucked up for because of the time that I did edibles and drank two beers and was fucked up for it. <laughs> like everything's spinning and I need to die. <laughs> this is terrible. Tommy does end up like kissing Carrie at one point and I'm not sure if he like actually likes her or what, what the fuck ever. As per uh, Chris's instructions, Norma and some of Billy's friends fix the ballots so that Carrie and Tommy are elected prom queen and king. Uh, they make their way to the stage. Carrie finally feels what it like, feels like to be accepted. And uh, meanwhile, Sue sneaks into the prom and she sees Chris and Billy uh, under the stage and realizes she, so she sees like, a hand and a cord, like silhouetted. She looks up and sees like the bucket of blood and is like, oh no, slow motion run! Uh, rushing to the stage frantically to do something about it and then is intercepted by uh, Miss Collins who thinks that uh, Sue is there to make trouble for Carrie after seeing that Carrie and Tommy are together. Which I'm like, this is why your plan was dumb. This is not the only reason your plan was dumb, <laughs> but it's one of many. So, uh, it's fine. Miss Collins throws her out of the gym, thinking that she's, uh, there to spoil things. And then, uh, at that exact moment, basically (laughs) the doors close and Chris yanks the cord and Carrie is drenched in pig's blood. Um, yep. Uh, the students all gasp and look on horror. Tommy is furious. And then the bucket falls and fucking knocks him unconscious. Yeah, I know. Um, and then one girl starts laughing and Carrie snaps and imagines that all the students and faculty are actually laughing at her, which is another thing that her mother said would happen to her. That's when her telekinesis starts to like really fucking lay in. And like, that's when like your nice theme that's been throughout the entire movie starts to like really change and everything's the worst. Ooh. She starts using her telekinesis to destroy the gym and kill Everyone who is there, pretty much. Uh, Sue already got out because she had been kicked out by Miss Collins. And um, Chris and Billy ended up getting out at one point because um, they got out before everything, like, fucking started. But Carrie just takes everybody out. She just... All these people that didn't actually do anything yep. to her. Or who were just there, like, kind of tangentially. Who perhaps did things to her in the past and didn't. Who knows? It was just the straw that broke the camel's back and then she didn't have anything else to build against. So it was like, here we go. Everyone's going to fucking die. Uh, Miss Collins, who was weirdly interested in trying to be like supportive, but I just feel like she's so weird, uncomfortable. And she gets like smashed in half. Um, a bunch of teachers get electrocuted. All of the doors like slam. It's super baller. 
And, you know, terrible. <laughs> Cathartic, though. So uh, as Carrie walks home, a fire truck is seen passing her. Uh, Chris and Billy, who had safely witnessed uh, Carrie cause the death of the entire student body, attempt to run Carrie over with Billy's car, and Carrie uses her telekinesis to destroy the car. Carrie's like, no, bitches. And they all get fucked up, too. Uh, and then Carrie returns home. She draws a bath uh, and cleans herself up because she was covered in pig's blood. And was gross. Don't draw a bath to do that. Just take a shower. Yeah, I think Now the water is going to be all bloody. House is, well, A, it's more cinematic. And B, <laughs> if I remember correctly, her house is like old-timey and gross. So uh, if they had a shower, it was like sad and didn't work super, super well. That might be a lie, but who knows? She cleans herself up. Her mother ends up appearing, and then she ends up telling Carrie that she was the result of uh, marital rape, and that also she enjoyed it. So she's been taking out all of her like weird emotions about all of this on Carrie her entire life. Also, weird religion. I'm very shit. confused about that whole sentence. Yeah. So basically, marital rape, but she enjoyed it. Her husband got drunk and raped her, but she enjoyed herself. But how did she enjoy herself? She probably came. Okay. Yeah. No, well, that's going to happen in rape, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, how are we talking about? But I guess. But she's so repressed and that, fucked that's up how that she would like, say it. Exactly. That I obviously enjoyed myself if my body did that. Yeah. No, that's not I'm like, that no, works. no, that's not what that means. Like, this, this isn't, you're taking on much more guilt than you need to in this instance. Also, not I'm almost surprised. anything else. I'm almost surprised that she would consider it marital rape with how religious she is. I don't think she calls it that, if I remember correctly. Which, marital rape is a very real thing. For realsies. But yeah religious super religious well, and i people. still think that in some states it's probably still you know, right it probably is let's not think about yeah, it too it's much because it's mad. also very depressing so she's been taking all of that fucking nonsense out on carrie and then uh she is convinced that her daughter is an evil witch so she takes out a knife and stabs carrie in the back and uh, Carrie falls down the stairs and stumbles away from her mother. And when her mother corners her in the kitchen, uh, she uses her powers to basically crucify her with kitchen knives and tools. After her death, Carrie becomes wrought with guilt and using lit candles sets the house ablaze. And then the house eventually collapses on her and Carrie dies among the debris. Sometime later, Sue, so sort of nice person who thought they were doing a nice thing, um, stupid teenager yes who was like oh i actually have a conscience yes exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. having survived the prom night catastrophe is suffering from depression and ptsd over the death of all of her peers you definitely should be mm-hmm. and she experiences a nightmare in which she visits the location of carrie's grave and as she reaches down to put uh flowers on it uh carrie's fucking hand reaches up out of the rubble and grabs her and then sue wakes up screaming and um needs lots of medication and therapy and that's the end of the movie (laughs) so carrie makes such a big fucking impact and has 
been important for such a long time for a lot of different reasons. I'm going to talk about a couple of them, but uh, one of them is that uh, both Cohen and De Palma focalized the narrative through Carrie's experiences rather than those of her eventual victims who like, I don't feel bad about those people. Um, oh, I mean, no, I feel bad about some all of, of the school that really had nothing to do with it and was well, minding their own business. In the fucking book, she levels the entire town. She just, it's, it's a Jean Grey move, which also like Carrie to me is such a, it's exactly like fucking mutants because it's, it's what would happen. It's your, the weird fucking kid already. And then all of a sudden puberty hits, everything starts to be fucked up. And then, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the meanest point in everyone's life. Exactly. Because fucking teenagers are horrible human yeah. beings. So you're dealing with, like, any shit that you're dealing with at home, which is already, like, the worst shit if you're a teenager. It's always the worst time to deal with literally anything. Uh, and then you're dealing with everybody who is the meanest version of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Seriously. Yeah. So it, it gives me, like, such X-Men feels because I'm like, this is how this would be, where you're, like, at that the most vulnerable part of your life, and then Charles Xavier is like, I'm not buying a therapist because uh, I want to get another danger enough. room. Or that. Also that. It's both of those. I'm going to spend my money on another, like, plush fucking chair instead of, like, a therapist because I'm a telekinetic. I'm like, okay. So clearly I'm a therapist. I, you clearly don't understand anything about therapy, which is why you need therapy, sir. We're not oh. talking about Charles Xavier being a shithead, though we could. And that has come up often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, when they're tormenting <laughs> Carrie in the locker room and hurling uh, tampons at her and she's like naked and also bleeding, it's basically like partially from her perspective. So it turns around back on her, but you're getting a lot of it from exactly what she would be seeing and everything's kind of fuzzy and like uncomfortable. And you like, they focus a lot on her the feeling that like the claustrophobic feeling that she gets from people crowding in on her and things like that. Um, it focuses a lot more on Carrie's home life and that sort of thing. And her, like her mother's like fucked up faith and uh, offering why she's basically context on why she's grown up so naive um, about why her body is like it is. Uh, the first speech that we see fucking Margaret White give is a warped version of Eve's curse, quote unquote, unquote. Eve's curse is the one I was talking about where birth just hurts now. But mm-hmm. basically Carrie's bleeding isn't biology. It's the pathway to sin. King writes a lot about like twisted religion because he is that type of a person. Call it out. Yeah. He knows that everybody's a bunch of fucking bullshit. So you might as well call him out. Uh, but also, like, De Palma in the film uses it all over the place. Like, their whole house is filled with creepy iconography. All of the images of faith are not, like, Jesus being like, hey, I'm hugging a lamb. It's, like, a lot of people dying and dying saints and shit like that. In uh, Carrie's cupboard, there's an idol of St. Sebastian and his body is fucking pierced with arrows. And that just sits in her fucking like room at any time it's like <laughs> uncomfortable and then margaret like preaches a lot but all of like 
a lot of her preaching sounds like it's coming from the Bible because of the linguistic stylization, but she's just extra batshit. So it's like, here's where the Bible is. I'm going to go six steps further and make things way the fuck worse and then just present this to you as truth because I am the only person in your life. So poor fucking Carrie is getting religious fanaticism, but also it's just whatever her mom wants to fucking say. Cool. Yeah, great. And then Carrie's being like punished by being locked in a cupboard and being forced to pray for uh, forgiveness. And sometimes like her mom hits her with like the fucking Bible and things like that. You know, it's a bad, Sounds it's like a bad, bad time. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fitting when Carrie does finally take revenge on her mother that her uh, Margaret's death is very parodic of St. Sebastian with all the like fucking knives in him. So, wow, beautiful. Who doesn't love that sort of shit? But yeah, so there's a lot of like mental and physical violence that is normalized throughout the film. And it's like so many different, not microaggressions, but like just regular type aggressions, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, because it's mostly small things, but a lot of bigger things that just build up and build up until, like, the last point, mm-hmm. and then that's it. Like, the pig's blood hits, and that's that's fucking it. But yeah, when we do finally get to prom itself, it's, like, this perfect night. Tommy starts to, like, seem to actually feel affection towards her, and everything is magic, and, like, all of the whirling lights. The music is, like, really soft and beautiful, it's a little ruined for me, like I said, because I ate a bunch of edibles and drank beer and then had to put my head between my knees because I thought I was going to die. <laughs> um, but yeah, you almost feel like you're going to fall for it, like like things might be okay, and then you remember that the fucking pig's blood is there. And then it flashes back and forth to like poor Carrie up on the stage, and then the pig's blood, and then you see Sue who's realizing things and getting kicked out. And then, of course, like, as the bucket drops, it's, like, slow and fucking torturous. Ugh, it's agony to just watch, like, because it's, you know, everything is going to be ruined. Mm -hmm. And you're like, just get it over with. Yeah, so good anticipation building that sort of shit up. And another reason that Carrie is another thing that has lasted and endured as long as it has is uh it's a movie that's mostly about women for women like all of the men who are in there are literally just pawns it's a movie that's more psychological and full of like truths about both human nature and feminine power so uh for some critics carrie might be monstrous but that monstrosity can be seen as feminine agency which is very rare in films but journalist uh, Brianna Wu wrote that horror is one of the only genre films where uh, women get to be the star and have rich emotional lives. And that's certainly true of Carrie, where not only Carrie herself, but virtually all of the main characters are women. Margaret, Miss Collins, and then like fucking stupid Chris and poor Sue. And like you get Tommy, but he's only there because he is Sue's like boyfriend he's Mm -hmm. there as a favor similarly chris um, manipulates her boyfriend both literally and figuratively to torment carrie most of the time in a lot of hollywood movies women are just like the prizes and the people who are manipulated to do things and in this movie it's very much like they're the only ones who are in power men are there tangentially 
they're there because they need to be there for the plot and that's about it. Mm-hmm. But like women are the ones who get to act and plot and rescue and ultimately at the end kill. Another quote from Brianna Wu is um, horror movies are, wor- are a world where money can't save you. Privilege can't save you. Strength can't save you. In some ways it's a world with real equality. So during the films and Carrie kills Literally fucking everybody. Doesn't matter if you're innocent or guilty, men or women, adults or kids. Doesn't matter. You're there, you're getting fucking killed because she's just exploding with rage. Everybody gets fucking struck down. Carrie is repressed and bullied and humiliated, and because of that, people suffered. And it's a message that resonates with horror audiences of every gender, and still does 40 years later. Yay, Carrie. I love it. Yeah. I'm fine. All right, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 45. Mm-hmm. Make sure you rate, rate, review, subscribe. Please do if you have not. We haven't gotten any recently, so please go and do that. Make sure you talk about Chris Evans and follow him on mm-hmm. Instagram. Yeah, he's a goon. He's great. Yes. I had to stick him in somewhere. I haven't gotten him today. That's true. So there he is. Rate, review, subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're also on the ESO Network, and we're on Podbean. So, please do that. Yeah. Listen. I guess if you're listening to this, you are listening. But tell your friends to listen. Yeah, tell your friends to listen. Or, instead, steal your friend's phone. Tell them you're going to take a a dumb picture of them. And then subscribe and rate and review. And take a picture of yourself from, like, a really bad angle. I hate when Martha does that. It's really funny. really annoying. It's not funny for that person. It's funny (laughs) for you. And who cares? If you do that, that's the only thing they'll know. They won't notice that you've rated and reviewed and subscribed to us. So... I'm just sure. saying, it's a good cover. <laughs> I'm not saying I've used it as a cover on your phone because I don't know how to do anything else except for you take You also don't myself. need to rate, review, and subscribe because I've already done that. Yeah, I know. That makes sense. <laughs> All right, everyone. I'll just do my other podcast where I'm just reviewing seltzers. <laughs> Have a great day. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bloop, This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.